Connecting life and faith. This is Connections. See, the work I do is showing you how to capture thoughts. So when you're self-regulating, the scriptures say, bring all thoughts into captivity. And an average person builds about eight to 10,000 thoughts a day. And in building the thoughts, you prompt at least another 10, maybe more, 10,000 or maybe more thoughts to move up from the non-conscious mind, which are all your thoughts with all the memories, because thoughts are trees made of, of memories. Memories are inside the thoughts, they're the detail. And so that means in any one day, you have got some 18,000 to 20,000 thoughts, which means there's thoughts every few seconds, you've got a whole 13, 14, 15, 20 thoughts going through your mind and you're building. Every few seconds you're building thoughts. So be very busy and every single one of those thoughts is supposed to be regulated according to the law of love, according to our made in God's image, which is survival. As we continue to deal with the global pandemic, more and more of us are struggling with anxiety, intrusive thoughts, depression, and fear. That is causing problems with concentration, burnout, strained relationships, physical health problems, you name it. Today we're joined by Dr. Caroline Leaf and she's recently put a book together she hopes will help deal with the situation. It's called Cleaning Up Your Mental Mess, Five Simple Scientifically Proven Steps to Reduce Anxiety, Stress, and Toxic Thinking. She's going to share about that book, and she's going to give us some steps to start cleaning up our mental mess. We're joined today by Dr. Caroline Leaf. She is a communication pathologist and cognitive neuroscientist whose passion is to help people see the power of the mind change the brain and to find their purpose in life. Dr. Leaf, can you tell us a little bit more uh, about yourself and what a cognitive neuroscientist is? I'm a, I have a PhD in cognitive neuro, in communication pathology and um, specializing in cognitive neuroscience. And that basically means that I study the mind brain inter, integration and or interaction. And I specialized when I practiced clinically for 25 years, I specialized in traumatic brain injury, learning disabilities, Alzheimer's, autism, trauma of all sorts, um, including emotional traumas, war traumas, and that kind of thing. And I, my clinical research has spanned three, uh, nearly four decades now. And I look, I've been um, extensively studying the science of thought, mind brain connection, mind management, mental health. So pretty much a mental health specialist. So you have put together plenty of books. Your most uh, recent release is Cleaning Up Your Mental Mess, Five Simple Scientifically Proven Steps to Reduce Anxiety, Stress, and Toxic Thinking. Now, there's plenty of people out there that are like, there are so many books and self-help books um, that are similar to this, but yours is different because you have that scientific proof. Tell us a little bit about this book. Absolutely. Well, yes, it's my 19th book. So I've got, it's kind of like my, my, my crowning glory, my accumulation of all these 38 years of research. As a scientist, I have, you should constantly keep researching and updating research. And the kind of research I do is very much in the fields. You know, so I work with real people in the field, in life, as opposed to bringing people into a lab. And all that collective work plus the, the clinical experience, I have um, simplified into a system um, that enables people to be able to manage their mind. So this book is different in that it's not really self-help as much as it is. I suppose it's self-help, but it's not self-help. So it's self-help from the arena that you can use it to help yourself, but it's not self-help in that it's not anything woo-woo. It's very scientific. Every single thing that I do is based on hardcore science. I've even included my most recent clinical trials, a summary of them with you know head maps and pictures of the brain and, and graphs and things showing that when you manage your mind, 
you're cleaning up your mental mess and then you, this actually changes how you function as a human on a cognitive, social, emotional level, improves your mental health, improves your physical health. In fact, one of the the results of my research showed that when you when you mind manage in this way, when you use the neurocycle, which is the system I've developed over these nearly four decades, you can improve how you manage anxiety and depression and toxic thinking, for example, by as much as 81%, which is enormous. And, and this is not with drugs or anything. And this is just purely understanding what your mind is and how to manage your mind. And considering that your mind is always with you, you wake up with your mind, you get dressed with your mind, you talk with your mind, you go to bed with your mind. We don't spend enough time in the scientific world or psychological world talking about mind, which is why I pursued this avenue, is to really understand mind and give people an understanding of the source of everything we're using our mind right now. And how we manage that is going to determine the health of our physical nature because brain and mind are not the same thing. Now, so what you're suggesting to people is if they're struggling not to simply snap out of it, it sounds like there's a lot of work, but there is work that we can put into kind of gain control of our thoughts and, and negative cycles in our mind. Absolutely. You've, you've hit the nail on the head. Anything like anxiety and depression and grief and despair, and especially what, you know, what people are going through in this current pandemic, is not something that they're, they're not illnesses. They are responses or warning signals to adverse circumstances. So as we all know, COVID has really thrown us all for a loop. But even prior to COVID, and since the beginning of mankind, whenever that was, we humans have battled with their mind. And so when I talk about cleaning up the mental mess, I'm talking about something that applies to all humanity. It's not like a certain sector that has to clean up. It's all of us on a day-to-day -day basis, moment by moment. As I've said, our mind is always working, so we need to be managing our mental mess. So it is work. It's not an instant quick fix mentality. You know, we, we do have, unfortunately, with the whole wellness pop culture movement, plus the last 40 years of how um, psychiatric approaches to mental health have operated, people have become very um, reduced down to the biology of the brain. And people think mind is brain. And they think, well, if I have a symptom, it's a symptom of a disease and I must just get a drug to get rid of it or do a few sort of cog uh, conditioning techniques and I'll get rid of it. Or the wellness industries indicated a lot of, you know, five steps to this and quick fix mentality, which has also been birthed out of the advances in the technological age, which are good, but the technology is great. But if it's mismanaged, it can lead to this quick fix mentality and this data, constant processing, a constant grabbing of data, but not processing. And all that combined has almost created created an illusion that well, if I'm sad or if I'm anxious or if I'm depressed, I have an illness, I'll go to the doctor, I'll get the medication, I'll get the label, and then it'll all go away. And that hasn't happened at all. That's actually created a totally the opposite effect where people are actually dying younger than they should from preventable lifestyle diseases. So yeah, we need to embrace this, process it and reconceptualize it, realize there's no quick fix. And also realize that your mind is working whether you like it or not. So whether you manage it or not, it's still working. You know, this is the core issue here is that your mind is what's working when, as soon as you open your eyes. And even when you're sleeping, your mind's sorting out what you've done during the day. So if we don't manage it, it's all over the place. So we literally can use our mind to manage our mind, which is quite an interesting concept. And that's pretty much what I have spent 38 years trying to simplify and understand and, and bring a, a simple scientific process that is hard work, that does take time. But the more you do it, the easier it becomes. And as I keep saying, 
your mind's going to be a mess without this anyway. So you may, your mind's working anyway. So you may as well take over to get the agency going that you actually do have. When I'm listening to you, it almost sounds like um, getting into a routine for physical exercise, but instead you're using your mind in this. Absolutely. That's exactly what, what, what we're talking about here. That's a, a very good insight that you've had there. And we, we so, you know, we in such a, um, an era of the wellness movement of let's have our green juices, let's meditate, let's get into that exercise routine. And those are all really important with our technological advancement and age. People have become more sedentary. And yes, we do have to get ourselves into routines. And this is the same thing. But here's an interesting point. When it comes to, just as a sort of side note, as when it comes to exercise and movement and eating well, you can be doing the greatest fasted workout and you can be doing eating the greatest farm-to-table, organic, wild food. But if your mind is not right, you can lose up to 80% of the nutrition and 80% of the benefit of that exercise. So how you use your mind to eat is relevant. How you use your mind to exercise and build those habits is extremely relevant to overall functioning. Um, so this is really, we've got to see mind as your, as your primary source. And so as I said, I don't teach a technique. It's not replacing therapy. It is basically how do you live with yourself and how do you manage this aliveness, this ability we have to think and feel and choose in every aspect of who we are as a human. You uh, sound a lot like my wife, like my wife uh, enjoys mindfulness, right? And so paying attention, even when she's eating to every bite and chew and what she's experiencing. And I will admit, when she has actually convinced me to try it, like it, it does uh, bring you more into the moment and less stress and less anxiety. Um, so it works, but don't tell my wife that I said that. Okay. <laughs> well, look, that's a good thing that she's doing. Mindfulness, <laughs> mindfulness in in uh, is, is so important, but mindfulness in the context of what what I teach in terms of the neurocycle and mind management, mindfulness is just brain preparation. So you have brain preparation where you actually prepare the physical, and then you do the work, which is the neurocycle. So mindfulness is being present in the moment, but to force yourself to be present in the moment is a is something that's very deliberate and intentional and very effective, but it's not sustainable. So you have to do that plus go beyond. So people that practice mindfulness, it's excellent practice, and I'm not knocking it at all, but you can't just have that. You have to have that mindfulness and beyond because your mind, you as a person with your mind and your aliveness, your ability to think and feel and choose, you are time traveling between the present, past, and the future up to three quarters of the day. So we never really just stay in the now. What we want to do is self-regulate and self-regulate to the point of how am I thinking, feeling and choosing in response to, for example, this conversation. You know, I'm very aware of how I'm putting my words together and, and how I'm using my body and intonation and the speed at which I'm talking. And every now and then I go too fast, I slow down and I'm self-regulating. You know, in a meeting, I would be very aware of, I'm just giving you examples, self-regulating in terms of the impact of my words on whoever's in the meeting with me and does it make sense and what feedback am I getting? And so it's, it's a constant ongoing monitoring. And we see from neuroscience that we can actually do this every 10 seconds, which is quite phenomenal. Um, if you think about it, we can actually you know, capture those thoughts. We can actually constantly be in a state of, hey, am I, is this what I'm doing healthy for me and, and healthy for whoever I'm interacting with? Because our brain and body 
and mind, all separate things, are wired for positivity. I'd hate the word positivity. Wired for love or wired for the optimism bias. And that means if you don't have any structures in the brain or body for anything that's toxic, we do have a, a structural component. The brain is structured in such a way in the body, in such a way that we that we are designed to manage toxicity. So, for example, if we um, have a constant pattern in our life of getting into the same old triggers that trigger the same old response and the same old argument, and we find that continually happens in multiple settings, that is that pattern is an indication that there's an underlying something going on that we need to manage. And that pattern, that thing that you're doing, that response, is not just coming from fresh air. It's actually coming from a physical structure in your brain that, that is a thought that's made of proteins that you actually built with your mind into your brain. And it's a, it's a real physical structure. And therefore, what we experience, we then build into our mind and brain. We'll build into our brain through our mind. And then we act and talk from that. So if I am having a constant toxic response, which could be from some kind of trauma or whatever, whatever has happened in the past, could have, it would, every pattern we have, everything we do is a result of some thought that we built in our head. Every thought looks like a tree and every tree has a root system. And the root system is the origin of every thought. And it's the origin of the, of the way we are acting. And so whatever we're doing, whatever we're saying has some sort of origin. And if it's toxic, that means that we need to do that work that you spoke about earlier on of going to actually find out why do I do this? Because if you don't, you actually keep that toxic thought tree in your brain, which is made of proteins that are actually folded incorrectly and create an incorrect chemical balance and all kinds of things that your brain doesn't like, creating a level of brain damage that threatens our survival in the same way that something like the COVID virus would. So like that when you have a virus like COVID or measles or whatever, or a bacteria in your body that's causing damage, the immune system immediately responds to that with what you hear people talking about the cytokine storm or you hear that, the, the, in other words, the immune system sends out an army to fight the invader. So COVID virus, we understand that very clearly, but very few of us realize that your, your immune system of your brain does the same thing with a toxic issue. So if we've got toxic issues in our life, which we all do. If you're human, you do. You're not exempt from this. It's not just some people. All of us have gone through stuff and we've, we've mismanaged stuff and we've responded incorrectly and we've built this in our brain and we've experienced the different levels of trauma. And these are all the realities of being human. And we don't always manage these well. It's kind of almost like life's experimental. But if we keep them there, the immune system of our brain and body will recognize these as a toxic invasion and will actually send out an immune response in exactly the same way as if it was something like COVID. And if we don't deal with it, if we don't deal with that trauma or that toxic habit in a very deliberate way, following brain preparation, which would include things like mindfulness and breathing and so on, then that stays there and it creates a, a constant fighting response from the immune system, which increases inflammation in the brain and the body. And this is what I show in my book, in my most recent clinical trials, that if we don't manage our mind, we'll see an increase in cortisol, glucose and homocysteine and DNA starts getting affected and our biological, our cells get unhealthy. And, you know, and this, this is a very real thing. Our brain um, symmetry changes, the energetic flow through the brain gets messed up, the blood flow, the oxygen, but it's all reversible um, with mind management. And I showed that within nine weeks, you can, you can reverse these kind of things. And within three weeks, you can start changing the actual patterns and, but it takes nine weeks to change behavior. So it's very real. And, and it's that reality that's important. And so it's sort of like to kind of like put this all in a nutshell. 
our mind, as I said, is always with us. And if we don't manage it, we have a survival response in our brain and our body and our mind to fight that. And if we still don't deal with it, we, the, the fighting system can fight against us so we can get autoimmune responses and we increase vulnerability to disease by 75 to 98%. But once we start managing our mind on a regular basis, so instead of saying, oh gosh, I'm anxious, I've got an anxiety disorder and you know this is terrible, this is it, it's like cancer, which is the message of today and it's totally unscientific. If you rather say, okay, I feel anxious, it's okay, I feel depressed, this is not a terrible thing, this is a messenger, this is a warning signal, this is my mind, brain and body telling me, hey, there's something going on in my life, I need to pay attention, I need to do the work of working out what the origin is and reconceptualizing this whole process into something that will give me mental peace. And that's essentially what the system I developed called the NeuroCycle helps you to do, and that's in the second part of the book. It's totally um, practical. How did what is the neurocycle and how to use it in a multiplicity of situations? How do we get people to a point where they want to um, deal with their mind and to actually reach out and change how they are living and change their minds? Excellent question. One I get asked often. We can't fix anyone else. So we can read all the wellness books and all the listen to all the great advice from people and listen to all the podcasts. But it is, as you say, how do you get the person to make the change? Gathering the the knowledge of what I should do. Pretty much all of us, you know, we kind of know what we should do to make that shift over to actually doing it. You you almost have to reach a, a crisis point. And that crisis point is learning to listen to our brain and our body and looking, being self-regulated enough to recognize, you know, I'm just not feeling happy. I mean, I'm depressed 90% of the day or I'm anxious 90% of the day or I'm having this constant relationship issue or it's just not working in my relationships and work. So when you reach this, when these patterns are so in your face that you feel stuck and that you just can't go on, that generally starts getting people in the direction of, all right, well, I'm addicted to this. Addiction, once again, is another example. It's not a disease. It's basically using something to suppress the pain of something that people don't want to face. And to get to that shift over point very often does does get to – it does often – come to a point where there's your body and your mind and your brain are screaming out at you with behavioral symptoms, which could be anything from really not being able to get up out of bed anymore, just like that another relationship broken down or to the point of people feeling strong suicidal ideation. And so very often it's, it's, it, it gets to an extreme where we can facilitate this process and, and help people to move and make the change quicker is if we change the narrative of the current, the current narrative, which is, one of, if you feel any negative emotions, that's bad, get rid of it. That's the worst thing we can do because we're all going to, as humans, experience emotions that are challenging, grief, despair, exasperation, anxiety. It's just, these are just how we are responding to the un- uncontrolled, the events and circumstances of life that we can't control. Is also, uh, we don't, also don't teach enough about what mind is and that the fact that we actually, mind is malleable, that we can train it, that we, this is what mind is and, and this is what you can do in these situations. So if you put that together and you tell, help people understand, this is what mind is, it's how I think, feel and choose. And that I can actually learn to manage my thinking, feeling and choosing. And that these emotions and physical sensations in my body and this perspective I have of life and my behaviors are all telling me something. They're all helpful messengers. And if I embrace them and process them and reconceptualize them, I can actually get start feeling empowered. 
And this is what I talk about in, in my what I found in my clinical trials. It's like a pathway to empowerment of being able to, um, to, to actually recognize this autonomy, this sense of agency, and then that, that enables you to then look at that toxic issue and the toxic stress that you've gone into for what, what, of whatever level I'm using those broad terms and being able to see these things not as obstacles or barriers, but as opportunities and to start moving forward. So, for example, we had subjects in, in my clinical trial in the experimental group and control group that came in devastated and broken and under the labels of I am clinical depression, I am clinical anxiety, my life is this. And so very negative and very sad stories, and but still not quite make, still having the identity of I'm broken. And once we put them, we did all the blood work and brain work and, and uh, psychological testing and narrative, a whole extreme amount of, of investigation to also stimulate their awareness of what was going on in their life and putting them through the mind management system of the neurocycle, which they've used an app that I've got in the app version as well. Within 21 days, they had started, and this, these numbers are very significant, within three weeks, 21 days, they, they want, the subjects in the experimental group who got the neurocycle as the mind management system, they were saying, I'm not depression. I feel depression because of. That's a radical shift from saying, I am depression, I am hopeless, I'm giving up to, I, I'm not depression, but I feel depression. It's telling me this and this about my life. I know something more now. And, I'm, and, and in the process of going from I am depression to I feel depression because of, there was increased anxiety and depression in the process. Because when you start facing stuff, it gets worse before it gets better. So if you're feeling extreme depression or anxiety because of some suppressed trauma, and now you start doing the work and the trauma comes up, it's very scary at first. But in the midst of the anxiety and depression, in the midst of that process, the subjects, and this is what my patients and what over the years, the people that I've worked with have always said, and myself included when I've gone through stuff, is that as you are starting to face, even though it's painful, you still feel that level of autonomy. Okay, this is bad, but I can get through this because I know why, and it's going to get better. It's going to heal. Like surgery will eventually heal. The pain will eventually go away, and I'll be better. But 63 days, the subjects were saying, I know why I'm depressed. I know why I got depressed. I know how to manage it. I know the source. I know what other things I need to work on. And I now know that I'll still have bouts of depression, but I now know what to do. I'm no longer scared of the depression. I see it as a message and the behavior changed occurred. So they were back online, back at work, rebuilding relationships, sleeping better, all that kind of thing. So that's the transformation. So in 21 days, you'll, you'll change the, you'll, you'll, change the wiring in the brain you'll rewire the brain and change the the mind because the mind is not the brain they're separate but it takes 63 days to actually change to create the behavior change um, and that's the work that we in, in one of the earlier questions that you asked me that that um, that's the work side we have to put in the work dr leaf uh we could talk to you for hours but i know that you're busy with more interviews today uh last question is there room for faith in all of this Oh, absolutely. Because if you think of the scriptures, bring all thoughts into captivity and renew your mind, that's all I'm teaching. I'm simply teaching the science of how to do that. And if you think of the concept of science, science is faith because science comes from the word sclera and sclera means knowledge and God is the source of all knowledge. So therefore, the Bible tells us the story and science tells us how the story works. So science is one of the most spiritual things out. So when you are operating in a scientific mode, you're simply learning how to use what God has given us 
in, in the way that God has shown us to use it. So as we learn about the brain and the body, the technology we're using today is science. It's from God. So if people don't want to think science, if people think science and spirituality or faith and science don't have connection, then we mustn't use cell phones. We mustn't use lights and electricity. We mustn't use Zoom. I mean, that's kind of what it comes down to. Science is how the world works, how we work. And essentially the work I do is showing you how to capture thoughts. So when you're self-regulating, the scriptures say, bring all thoughts into captivity. And an average person builds about eight to 10,000 thoughts a day. And in building the thoughts, you prompt at least another 10, maybe more, 10,000 or maybe more thoughts to move up from the non-conscious mind, which are all your thoughts with all the memories, because thoughts are trees made of, of memories. Memories are inside the thoughts, they're the detail. And so that means in any one day, you have got some 18,000 to 20,000 thoughts, which means there's thoughts every few seconds. You've got a whole 13, 14, 15, 20 thoughts going through your mind and you're building. Every few seconds, you're building thoughts. So be very busy. And every single one of those thoughts is supposed to be regulated according to the law of love, according to our made in God's image, which is survival. So yes, we this is the science of how to capture all those thoughts and how to renew them to the survival of love. So there you go. There's a nice, simple answer to a very good question. How can people learn more about you and about your books? They can find my Instagram handle is Dr. Caroline Leaf, and that's up on all, I'm on all the platforms. And from Instagram, obviously, you can reach all the other platforms. My webpage is drleaf.com. The book is called Cleaning Up Your Mental Mess. You can get, you can get that wherever books are sold. And um, my, I have a podcast called Cleaning Up Your Mental Mess. Thank you so much for joining us today. Thanks, Dr. Leaf. Thank you. Thank you so much for joining us today. Don't forget to subscribe to the podcast. We'll talk to you again on Connections.